Okay, so speaking about money, let's, uh, let's talk about this for a minute. I'm, um, sometimes you would call me a sucker. I like to think of myself as a nice guy, uh, but it just depends. But when those Girl Scouts roll out those cookies, <laughs> I'll have eight, uh, and I love to mess with them, because I was, I was the Cub Scout that was very shy, and I know that's hard to believe. I didn't talk. I didn't want to talk to anybody, and I had to go door to door as an eight-year-old selling boxes of candy for Cub Scouts. I did it for, for Boy Scouts. I did it for baseball teams. So now, when the kids come, when I see the kids come around, they come to my door, and they start their speech, and they're scared, just like me, and they go, and I'm like, yes, I would. In fact, I would like four of those. And they go, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, we start talking and whatever. But I'm going to tell you what. There is one group that I will not support. You, you may have, you know, you may have your own. But I always want to help kids. But I will not support marathon runners. Anybody ever have this experience? Oh, you give them the money and they run. The Girl Scout cookies is where I got you. That was the... So my oldest daughter, Leah, says, Dad, do you ever read the reviews on our church website? Well, you know I don't, because I don't care. And, um, and uh, she said, well, we got a three the other day. She said, well, no, actually, you got a three. And I said, what did I do? She said, the guy says, the pastor th is a wannabe comedian. <laughs> well, this is what upset me about the post, wannabe? Who does he think he is? Anyway. All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians 4. I have all this up here. It's uh, not drugs. It's straight honey because uh, of all the pollen that's going on. Sometimes I have to help my throat. <coughs> but I, <coughs> we've talked about through all of this, <coughs> this series, that it is a tough, tough book because Paul is addressing a group of people that have come out of the world, and not just out of the world, out of the Corinthian world. So he's pulled them out of Las Vegas, out of New York City, and they don't know anything. They don't know about Jesus, the Bible. They don't, they don't know about marriage. They have no idea what the Lord's Supper means. They're used to, to I mean, I'm just being real, but transsexual sex, uh, they thought that was what it meant to love God. They'd go to the temple and have uh, all this crazy stuff was going on. All it's true. It, it's like our culture thinks we invented it. No, all this junk was going on 2,000 years ago. But some of these people have come to Jesus, probably hundreds of people by this point. But Paul is writing to them to help get them on track. Now, this is what you need to understand because people would call us a seeker church. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you, but what it means is we're trying to reach lost people. Some of what we do, the style of music we do, some of that, we are unashamedly trying to reach people, right? And other churches are dying quickly because they're not. But the difference, usually when you hear that term, it means we water down the Bible. But that's not what we do. Because my job when I stand up here on stage is to tell you the truth. Now, when I'm up here, I'm speaking to the church. So I'm not speaking to the culture. I have no influence over the, well, I try to have influence, but Paul didn't write to the Corinthian culture. I'm not preaching this morning to the Ormond culture. I'm preaching to the church. 
Now, if you're not saved, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, go out to the guidance point, room three after the service. People will help you answer your questions, how to accept Jesus, how to repent, how to be baptized. They will take you through the entire process. But I'm assuming that if you're out here in front of me, that you are saved. And we talk to saved people very differently than we talk to lost people. Does that make sense? So Paul writes back, and, he, and Paul, was, it says he was a shy guy, didn't speak well, he was afraid of people, but on paper, he's a Facebook warrior. And that's his strength, is when he writes. And so Paul writes and tells them, now that you're Christians, you gotta quit acting like Corinthians, and you gotta start acting like Christ followers, all right? And so he uses a phrase, prove it. That's a hard statement, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, we're going to read. We're going to start our reading together early. Don't stand for this because it's not the Bible. But I'm going to, I'll read this first line, then I want you to read with me. If you read the Bible four times a week, these are the results. So read them with me. Feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. I'm going to go to eight times a week. Bitterness, <clears throat> bitterness in relationship drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200% because you know something. Discipling others jumps 230% because now you got something to teach other people. So Paul says to the Corinthian church, it's time you prove that you belong to Christ. Not to Paul, you're not proving anything to me, but you need to prove by how you live that you now belong to Christ and not to the Corinthian culture. So now, if you'll stand out of respect <clears throat> for the word of God. <clears throat> so then, Men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you. Let me translate that. I don't care what you think or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Now, brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying. Say this with me. Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You've become kings, and that without us. How I wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you. For it seems to me 
that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very day, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuge of the world. I'm not writing this to shame you, but I am, but to warn you as my dear children. You can be seated. Now, this is the benefit of preaching the Bible. This is the benefit of going through books the way we do it here. Because I dare say you would not hear this preached in 90% of churches anywhere in America. When's the last time you heard a preacher get up and say, I am the scum of the earth, I am abused, I am persecuted, I am hungry. No, it's God wants you wealthy, healthy, driving a new car, wants me to have a private jet. The truth is the only people that ever get rich is the guy saying it. But the real problem with it is what was Paul's life like? Paul said, we're considered the scum of the earth. And yet preachers today are in a $10,000 suit with a $5,000 watch and it's like, whoa, whoa, what am, I, what am I missing in this story? What you're missing is biblical Christianity because biblical Christianity is about self-sacrifice. It's about giving our lives away. And he even said, you guys have become kings, but that was before us. You're already blessed. How about giving it away? That's kind of the point of the story. But I wanna just start with an old, old statement, okay? If you're on trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to prove you guilty? That's really the question. So we start off where he says you need to prove yourself. Again, you're not proven to me, you're not proven to the church, you're proving yourself to God. And he says that those who have been entrusted with a package must prove faithful. And then he says what the package is. He says, you and I have been given the deep secrets of God. Whoa, what am I doing with the deep secrets of God? Good question. Because again, you hear these preachers say, oh, I've got a word from God. Really? Okay, let's talk about this stuff for a minute, okay? So if you have a word from God and it matches what the Bible says, then why do I need your word? Your word means nothing to me. And if the word you got from God goes counter to the Bible, you're a false prophet. So maybe we'd be better if we just used the Bible instead of you elevating yourself. So how do you prove yourself? You and I have been given the deep secret things of God. What is that? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ died, Jesus Christ raised from the dead on the third day. That's the deep secrets of God. That Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You and I have it. And you're sitting here and you think, well, everybody has it. 
Do you know, whatever it's been, 10 years ago when Tim Tebow uh, was in the playoff game in Denver and he had John 3.16 on his eye black, Google lit up the most searched item ever. People had no idea what John 3.16 said, for God so loved the world. They had no idea. It's America. This is the Christian nation, right? You and I have the gift. That's why we plant churches. That's why we're on the Sioux Reservation. That's why we're buying up radio time. That's why we're planting churches in the community. That's why you're here to get the word so that you can go talk more to your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your school classmates, whoever it might be. But we've been entrusted with the gift and if you don't, if we don't do something with it, it'll be gone. Ronald Reagan said years ago that freedom is only one generation from disappearing. Well, let me assure you, the gospel is only one generation from disappearing. Because if you and I don't pass it to the next, it's gone. You wanna know what's happened in Western Europe? Gone. And I'll tell you why, all right? C.S. Lewis, who, I love reading his stuff, but I don't understand him. He plays on a, he plays on a, I know he's British, that, that doesn't help me, he's a lot smarter than me. And um, C.S. Lewis died 1963, so it's been a while, but his books are still some of the hottest in the Christian community. Now, the Chronicles of Narnia were written for children, so I kind of understand those. Um, but his other stuff is, uh, he just, he, he plays in the deep end of the pool. But this statement just so resonated with me because Lewis, Lewis was an Oxford-educated, Oxford professor, and he was brilliant, and he was an atheist. And he doesn't become a Christian till late in his adult life when Tolkien leads him to Christ, Lord of the Rings guy. And um, this is what he said, because he got so confused with when he read the Bible and he went to church, and then he saw what was happening in England and in Northern Ireland where he was born, he said, this is why I often find myself at such cross purposes with the modern world. He said, I have been a converted pagan living amongst apostate Puritans. Now leave that up there if you would. You want a picture? You can take a picture of that. Lewis says, I, I was a pagan all my life. I lived for myself. I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. And when he found Jesus, everything changed where he went, what he did, how he wrote, how he thought, what he talked about, everything changed. But he said, I live in a culture that grew up as Christians, and he said, they're all out of whack. He said, they're the ones that should be showing me how to live, but they've compromised with the culture. And I'll tell you right now in Western Europe, Great Britain, Ireland, France, Germany, Austria, Churches are empty. They're pizza restaurants, they're apartment complexes, they're nursing homes. The buildings are beautiful, the cathedrals are still there, but they're empty. They're empty. Because about this time is when the church in Western Europe started saying the stuff that's going on in America today. They're saying stuff like, well, we're not sure the Bible's really the word of God. I mean, it's got some good stuff. Jesus is okay, but you know, you've also got you know, Buddha and Muhammad and other things to think about. And, and sexually, we're not sure that we need to follow all these rules and regulations. And the church in Western Europe is dead. It is dead. 
we're back there now trying to restart. It, we're not restart, we're replanting because there's nothing, nothing to restart. But Lewis hit the nail on the head when he said, when you're converted, it should change everything. But you also want to prove yourself to be, that you belong in the family. And this is where Paul says, don't go beyond what is written. People have a hard time with this. Pay very close attention to what I'm telling you. Christianity is a written faith. It always has been. We'll go back to our roots. When the Jewish people are coming out of bondage in Egypt, all right, when they're, they get the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, when they come into the Promised Land, they're always known by one phrase, people of the book. Now, everybody else worshiping idols and statues and the earth and the sky and the stars, but the Jews were known as people of the book. Well, that title transferred right on to us, and we are now known as the people of the book. But it's interesting, the people of the book don't always read the book. And Paul said, do not go beyond what is written. Well, God told me, really. So there's eight billion people on earth, and God said, you shall not lie except you, Bob. And God said, Bob, I would like you to lie. Does that seem logical to you? No, that's because it's not, it's wrong, it's sin. Now, in Hebrews chapter one, we're told that Jesus is the living embodiment of the word of God. It says Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, now I'm in John one, and the word created everything. So Jesus is the written word, he took on human form. So don't go beyond what's written. And that's what he's saying. Why would you listen to what Peter says or what Paul says or what this preacher says or you got a voice from God? You might have got a voice, but if God wanted to talk to you, why wouldn't he just use the book that he wrote for the rest of us? Does that make sense? But they had people then, just like we have people today, who, well, I've been praying, and God told me it's okay. And you know my favorite line, I use this a lot, when, I, <clears throat> when, I, when we're challenging people to sponsor orphans, and people say, well, let me go home and pray about it. I said, okay. I said, and you're gonna come back and say, I did fervent prayer, and after days of fasting and prayer, God said, let those children starve and go to hell. You and I both know you're not gonna pray because I already know what the answer is. If you don't wanna do it, if you just don't wanna do it, don't do it. But quit playing spiritual games. Do not go beyond what is written. And St. Augustine, fourth century scholar, made this great statement. He said, you don't have to defend a lion. You just turn him loose. He'll take care of himself. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, John 3, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. What is my job? What's your job? Those of us who have been trusted with this incredible gift of God, lift up Jesus, 
lift up the word of God. Jesus said, I don't need your gymnastics. I don't need you to jump a pew. I don't need you to get a word from anything. I don't need you to do anything except tell people my story. You lift up Jesus and I will do the drawing. Does that make sense to everybody? Romans chapter one, verse six. Paul said, are you also, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, again, preachers screw this up all the time because they go beyond what is written, all right? You're like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm called. I hope I'm one of those people. I hope I go to heaven. Dumb, very dumb. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, You've accepted Christ. I did. I've repented. I did. I've been baptized. I did. I'm doing my best to follow Jesus. Oh, great. You're called. You're called. God is not randomly sitting around going, you're called, you're not called, you're called, you're not called. Now, we've been called maybe to do different things in the body of Christ, but we've got a whole group of people running around teaching this false doctrine that God randomly calls people and you're in and I'm out or I'm usually it's I'm in and you're out. I mean, that's, that's how that game works, but that's ridiculous. In Acts chapter two, right after the resurrection and the start of the church, Peter preaches the first sermon and it says, Peter said, after he told them all about Jesus, he pleaded with them and he said this, accept Jesus and rescue yourself from this, from this horrible world we live in. Why would Peter say, accept Jesus and rescue yourself if you had nothing to do with it? Why would he plead with you to accept Jesus as your savior if God already decided who's going and who's not going? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Say it doesn't make any sense. You're right, it doesn't. Does God call? Of course he calls, but God's calling everybody. You determine whether you are called by answering the phone, by saying, yes, I want Jesus. And then the last part, we sort of covered it all, but the last part gets pretty gruesome. Prove yourself worthy, again. So prove yourself, prove you belong, prove yourself worthy. And Paul says he's not saying this to shame them, but he's certainly saying it <clears throat> to rock their worlds a little bit. He says, <coughs> you're blessed, I'm not. Uh, you're living in a nice house, I'm homeless. Uh, you got food to eat, I don't. Uh, you got water, I don't. Um, I'm living in rags, you're living in riches. And he says, but I find myself as one who is at the end of the procession. Now this is an interesting phrase that he uses. Because in the Roman culture, when the Romans conquered a city or a people group or they came back from battle, they always had parades. The Romans loved circuses and parades. And when they would come to town, the general who had led the battle, because the general's plan is now to become the next emperor of Rome. So he comes in on the tallest white horse they've got. You wanna know where the term get off your high horse came from? There it is. He would come in on the high white horse and then the military, you've seen Hitler's films saying Hitler was re, redoing the Roman Empire and all the troops would come in and all the military would come in and the, you know, the, the artillery or whatever they had. And the people that would be at the very last part of the parade would be all the prisoners 
would be all the people that they had captured to bring in as slaves to the Roman Empire. And Paul said, I find myself at the end of the parade as one who they're preparing for the Colosseum. Now, don't think they just had one, by the way. Yeah, the big Colosseum is in Rome. But every city in the Roman Empire, and there are hundreds and thousands of them, every single one of them had gladiator theaters. I've been to them. They're all over Europe. They're all over North Africa. They're in Western Europe. They're in Eastern Europe. Um, but it, it was all the same thing. So they would bring those people in, and you'd be eaten by wild animals, or you'd be forced to kill one another. Uh, or if you were lucky, they would dip us in tar and use us to light the outside of the Colosseum if they didn't think you'd put up a good fight with the lion. Paul said, that's how I feel. Now think about it. We've been taught by these false teachers that if we do it right, we'll be on a white horse. When the truth is, Paul said, if you do it right, you'll be at the end of the, end of the procession. Who do we know? Do you know Paul's name or do you know the name of all these Corinthians that he's writing to? You know Paul's name. Because he's the one that did it right. I want to finish with this. So there's going to be a, a pretty rough picture come up on the screen. So I'm going to give you a, a warning. Close your eyes if you don't want to see something that will give you nightmares. And then uh, I'll tell you in a few seconds you can, you can open your eyes. All right. So if you don't want to see it, close your eyes. All right, I asked him for a really bad picture of Satan. All right. All right, you can take Satan down now, and you can open your eyes. Now, the problem is, people have this idea that if they don't become a Christian, I'm going to hang out with Satan, man. We'll be drinking beers. We'll be living large. Me and my buddies be running around with Satan. Let me explain this to you. Satan doesn't even own his own place. Hell was created by God for Satan and his angels when they were thrown out of heaven for their sin. Mankind only joins when mankind chooses to reject Jesus. So you and I get to choose today. Do I want to be with Jesus or do I want to choose the other option? But speaking to the church, we have a responsibility to prove it. Not to me, not to the church, but to prove to God by my actions, by my mouth, by how I treat my family, by what I do with my money, about what I go to see. I'm proving that I no longer am a Corinthian, but I'm a Christian. So Father, I don't know who needs what part of what here, but I know that our desire is to be more like you. So as we allow your spirit to move, in the land, in Bunnell, in Ormond, around the world. Holy Spirit, you let us know what we need to prove. Perhaps it's to you, perhaps it's to ourselves, that I really am no longer in this world, but I belong to you. Lord, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name.